This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. Welcome to Untangled, a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast following Heidi, who is Swiss, and Henry, a Brit. We explore the UK-Swiss cross-border issues faced by this international couple in connection with their family lives and their assets and businesses. But before they're happily ever after, there's a lot they need to think about, and we will stay with them in good times and in bad. Welcome to the Charles Russell Speechley's podcast, episode four of Untangling the UK-Swiss Knot. In this episode, we consider what you need to think about when someone who is Swiss dies and there are UK connections. I'm joined by Lauren Clark, who specialises in UK estate administration and probate, particularly when there is a cross-border element. Lauren is based in the UK and we frequently work together on cross-border estates. Lauren, welcome. Thank you, Alice, and it's nice to be joining you today. I've got some sad news. Heidi's grandmother has passed away. Heidi is Swiss, as you know from our Heidi and Henry story. So her grandmother, who's Swiss and lives in Switzerland, has passed away, and Heidi wants some advice on what the family need to think about. Heidi's learnt that her estate includes her grandmother's home in Switzerland, which she lives in with her husband, who has survived her. She has an investment portfolio, which is managed by a Swiss bank, but she also has a holiday home in the UK, which is rented out for most of the year. And there's also a small UK bank account in connection with the holiday property. So my first question, Lauren, is where should the family start? What do they need to think about? So in the context of a cross-border estate, it's very important that we consider two distinct issues. So we have the succession, which is how the estate passes, and that might be in accordance with a will, if there is one, or in the UK, under the intestacy rules, in the absence of a will. And then the second thing that we need to think about is tax, and which country is going to have the primary responsibility for taxing the assets. So I would be suggesting to the family that the first place to start is whether Heidi's grandmother had a will. Thank you. So Heidi tells me that there is a will. It's a Swiss will, which means it's handwritten and it's not in English, and it follows the forced heirship rules. Now this means that it leaves a portion to her husband and a portion to her children. So where do we go from there? In the UK, we would then be thinking about who is in charge of dealing with the estate. And in the UK, we have the concept that is known as executors, and these would be sometimes named within the will, and they would be the people responsible for reporting the estate and gathering in the assets. But I understand that in Switzerland, it's slightly different, and sometimes it's the heirs that have responsibility for that role. Yes, yes, I, I know that when we look at UK and Swiss cross-border estates, trying to understand the different names for the people who want to undertake what's essentially the same job is, is one of the issues. So we've identified who's in charge of the estate. Should we talk then about actually what the assets here are? You know, what is relevant? Which assets are relevant from a UK perspective? We would need to think here about the situs of the asset. So in the case of a physical asset, such as a property, 
or perhaps the bank account. That's where the asset is located or the bank which holds that account. In the case of investments, it's slightly more complicated. So whereas here, whilst we have a Swiss bank holding investments in a nominee type arrangement, we would need to dig a little bit deeper and look at the underlying shareholdings themselves. Okay, so let's start with the property, what the holiday home in the UK, I presume you mean, not her main home in Switzerland. So with the UK holiday home, what would you want to know? We would look, want to look here about how the ownership arrangements are. So if Heidi's grandmother held the property in her sole name, or whether it was perhaps jointly owned with her husband. And in the UK, there are two distinct ways of holding property jointly. So the first is something called joint tenants. And this means that on the death of one co-owner, their share would automatically pass to the survivor. So independently of the terms of that person's will. Right. And the other type of joint ownership is something known as tenants in common. And that would allow the person to dispose of their share of the property under their will. So we would need to look a bit more closely at that. Okay, so we need the address of the property and then we can look it up for them to work out whether it passes under the will or automatically to her husband. Exactly. Um, and the UK bank account, what do you need to know for that? We would want to write to the bank here and find out uh, the value of the assets in the bank account. In the UK, banks often have their own individual threshold. And if the value of the bank account is below that threshold, the bank may be prepared to release the funds to the executors without obtaining what in the UK is known as the grant of probate. However, if the value of the bank account exceeds the bank's threshold, which is often different in each case, then they may require the executors to take out the grant of probate, which is the form of authority then for the bank to release the funds to the executors. Okay, so what we do about that bank account from a practical perspective depends how much is in it. And if it's not very much, then a death certificate might be enough to allow the executors or the heirs to deal with the money. And if it's worth a bit more, then it's going to have to wait until a grant of probate is obtained. And we're going to come on to talk about what are the steps, what is grant of probate and how do you get it. So then finally, is there anything we need to know about the assets in the Swiss portfolio? Because Heidi probably thinks it's managed by one of the Swiss big banks. This isn't relevant. We don't need to worry about it. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's a common misconception. Um, so we would want to look a bit more closely at the underlying shareholdings within the portfolio, because how we determine whether the shares are relevant for UK tax reporting is where the register of shares is kept. Um, and that determines whether a share is a UK CITUS asset. So within the portfolio, um, often when we obtain a valuation, there's a breakdown of the shareholdings, which provides what is known as the ISIN number. Mm -hmm. And that can give a good indication as to whether the, the shares will be treated as UK CITUS for tax purposes. Okay, you said a good indication. Does that mean all I need to do is find the ISIN number? Unfortunately, it's not quite as straightforward as that. So I'd recommend that Heidi, in this case, or the family, obtain some quite specialist advice that could help. 
Okay, I, I know from a few of our matters we've done together, Lauren, that sometimes there are complexities like companies that are dual listed and actually you really have to dig down to work out whether you're dealing with UK shares or not. Um, why does it matter? I mean, I don't want to scare anyone who's listening who's got a Swiss investment portfolio. Does it always matter if actually you've got a few UK shares? Does that mean you're going to have to pay inheritance tax or you have to worry about it? In the UK, HMRC recognises that where certain conditions are met, there is no requirement to submit a detailed inheritance tax account. These are what are known as accepted estates, and the conditions are that the deceased was domiciled outside of the UK at the time of their death, the deceased had never been domiciled or deemed domiciled in the UK during their lifetime, and the value of the UK assets in their estate is less than £150,000 and only consists of cash or quoted shares. But as we've just mentioned, it's something that needs to be looked at quite closely, as there could be UK reporting requirements that aren't immediately obvious. Yeah, well, I know we've had several cases where, where that's come up. So thank you. So we've talked about the house, we've talked about the UK bank account, we've talked about why we need to look at the Swiss uh, portfolio. What does the family actually need to do? You've mentioned the grant of probate, but can you explain to me what steps the family need to take in order to get it? And when they've got it, what do they do with it? So in this case, we've established that there is a UK holiday home, cash in a bank account, and UK shares that exceed the threshold. And therefore there is going to be the requirement to file, which means send to HM Revenue and Customs, a quite detailed inheritance tax account. And in order to complete that account, the executors will need to obtain formal valuations of all of the UK CITUS assets. They will need to confirm also how the UK property is held, as that will determine how they will need to report it in the UK inheritance tax account. And then once they have that information, they will need to send that to HMRC, who may scrutinise the account and raise questions of the executors if they want to know a little bit more information. Once they've submitted the inheritance tax account, the revenue will issue or send to the executors their form of receipt, which will then allow the executors to go on and obtain the grant of probate, if indeed they have established that that is what is required. And then once the grant of probate has been issued, the executors can then send that to the bank if the bank has confirmed that they need that and the bank will then release the funds. In order to deal with the UK property, it may be as simple as sending the death certificate to the land registry if the property was held as joint tenants between Heidi's grandmother and her husband or there may be the requirement to provide the land registry with the grant of probate in that case, if the property was held in Heidi's grandmother's sole name or jointly as tenants in common. The Swiss bank may have its own requirements, but we tend to find in practice that they don't require the UK grant of probate as the investments are often held within a nominee account, which allows the bank to continue being able to deal with those investments post-death. Thank you. That, that, all, that all makes sense. One well, quick word on domicile. Domicile in Switzerland tends to mean 
your resident and you live there, whereas in the UK, it's a different concept. It means sort of where does your heart belong? And it can, if you're UK domiciled, then worldwide assets are potentially subject to inheritance tax. We're keeping our story here simple. Heidi's grandmother is Swiss resident, Swiss domiciled, but that does, does also mean that only the UK assets are going to be within the scope of inheritance tax, but there'll be the need to explain on that form that you mentioned that you have to send to HMRC that actually, yes, she is not domiciled in the UK. So that's perhaps a, a link to the next thing to touch on, and that's tax. Can you tell me a bit about the UK tax position? Yes, so as you just mentioned, Alice, so as we have established here that Heidi's grandmother is non-UK domiciled, her executors will only be required to pay UK inheritance tax based on the value of her UK CITUS assets. And there are certain exemptions to UK inheritance tax that Heidi's executors can look to claim. So, for example, one of the primary exemptions, which we will often try to make use of in the UK is the spouse exemption, which means that any assets which are passing to a surviving spouse are exempt from UK inheritance tax. We also have something called the nil rate band, which is an amount of £325,000, which can pass tax free, and that's either in lifetime or on death. In this case, it's a, it's a first death scenario. So we're only interested in Heidi's grandmother's nil rate band. But if we were talking about um, Heidi's grandmother's husband, we may be looking to see if we can make the most of any unused inheritance tax exemptions. So you can transfer this 325,000 from one spouse from a wife to a husband if she dies first, so that when he dies on a second death, it can be 650 that you're allowed to leave tax free. That's right, yeah. So it's something that needs to be looked at quite closely because the executors will obviously want to make sure that they're not paying any unnecessary inheritance tax. Mm. And then the final thing to think about is that any assets passing to a charity, which is recognised as charitable under UK law, is also exempt from inheritance tax. Although given that we're thinking about a Swiss UK scenario here, it's important to note that not all Swiss charities are recognised as exempt under UK law. So again, something that needs to be looked a little bit more closely at. Yes, and I, you and I have had a case where a large amount was passing to a Swiss charity, and unfortunately it wasn't possible for that Swiss charity to benefit from the charitable exemption because it wouldn't have passed the criteria for being treated as a ch charity under English law. There are ways, if you're planning in advance, there are ways you can actually deal with this potentially to get around it, but perhaps, perhaps something for a, a different podcast. It seems that then we've got a bit of a problem possibly because the Swiss will is going to be governed by Swiss law and it will uh, follow forced airship, which means a portion's left to, to the husband and a portion to the children. That means not everything is going to qualify for in the UK, what's called spouse exemption, where you can leave it to your husband or wife tax-free. That means you might find there's UK inheritance tax to pay when there wouldn't otherwise be any Swiss estate tax to pay. Is there anything we can do about that? Yes, in the UK, it's possible to vary an interest in an estate within two years of death. 
So we would likely be speaking to the family in this scenario to see whether the children had need of the UK assets or whether they wish to vary their in interest in Heidi's grandmother's estate in favour of their grandfather, for example, to make use of the spouse exemption. We would also look to apply any credit for tax that had already been paid in Switzerland against the UK inheritance tax liability. And this is a claim that needs to be thought about in a little bit more detail. Okay, so the message there is the family need to take advice early if there's a risk of there being UK inheritance tax to pay, because there's a two year window of opportunity where they might be able to do something about that. And separately, it's important if there is going to be any Swiss tax to pay to find out if you can get a credit for that against any UK tax or possibly vice versa, depending on which assets are subject to tax. Exactly. Thank you, that's really helpful. So I'm gonna go back to Heidi and Henry with my condolences on the passing of, of Heidi's grandmother and say here, although she's a Swiss person and you might not want, might be surprised to hear it, there are actually quite a lot of UK cross-border estate issues they need to think about. They need to confirm the address of the property so we can find out how that's held they need to find out how much is in the bank account so we know what if any steps are needed in relation to that and we can help them have a look at the swiss portfolio to work out whether or not there are any uk shares there and if so help them with going through the process of reporting to hmrc paying tax if there is any claiming credits and exemptions if appropriate, and possibly rearranging things to make it more tax efficient from a UK perspective. That was really helpful, Lauren. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I will, I will go and report back to Heidi and Henry. Thank you, Alice. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast, part of our series, Untangling the UK-Swiss Cross-Border Issues Faced by Heidi and Henry. You can find the rest of this series at the Charles Russell Speechley's website or on Podbean iTunes and Spotify. Here we have discussed the UK and Swiss legal issues at high level only, based on current law and legal practice. This does not contain legal advice. If you or your clients would like to know more about any of the things we've discussed, please get in touch with your Charles Russell Speechley's contact. Thank you. This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast.